When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, he did it. He played music under me. Thanks, Andy. Welcome. Welcome to the family with Alex Rappard Rasmussen. Manic Monday, Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt Bernard. Mike Brandt. Well, we'll be right back. Kate Teller is our special guest promoting the book How to Tell a Story, the Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling. It says from the moth. What's oh. the moth? Well, we'll find out. We're going to find out what the moth Kate is, right? Superhero this. identity. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Kate Tellers joins us next. What do you think? Yeah, we can do one. Oh, this, uh, I like it, man. This week is still in the 40s. I mean, this morning when I got up, uh, it was like 34, I think. 34 so we right still now. got freezing. We still got freezing roads, and people are yeah. speeding up like it's spring. Got to slow down. Got to give yourself time. Got to make sure you're clear. Coming in this morning, I drove here this morning at 2:30 in the morning. Yep. I was doing 70. I mean, 55, mm-hmm. whatever the speed limit is. <laughs> Whatever the speed limit is. A guy went by me doing about 130 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. There's that. And I mean, was he in a Ferrari? Flat, I like, Boom! I'm doing 70. This guy blew by me like I was parked. And that was on 100 or 169? 100, 100 so there, there's a yep. couple curves on that road. Yeah. And you get a little <laughs> exactly. water that And it was up. like sleeting. Yeah. That's the other thing. It was sleeting, and this guy's doing 130. So slow down, give yourself time. Don't be like that guy. I like Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. At... Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finish number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, Metric Cruiser, or Sport Bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. 
I'm telling you. Let me know when Ms. Teller is ready to go, all right? She is ready. Oh, she is. Kate Tellers. How you doing, Kate? Ms. Tellers. Hello, who is it? Uh, I hear something. I hear music playing in the background. Well, someone called in. I assume oh, that's it was Kate. Cue. I could be wrong. Well, maybe it's not Kate. Maybe it's not. No, it's me. No, I'm here. Oh, there you go. Kate, how you doing? What's the latest? Oh boy, what's the latest? Who knows? What's the latest with you? Uh, but just, I'm just sitting here trying to trying to figure out how we can get through life with everybody being so crabby, Kate. I will t- I'll tell you that. <laughs> God, everybody's okay, I'll nuts. Give you, I'll give you no crabbiness for the next couple of minutes. What are you dealing with? Just the next couple of minutes. That's all. Can't you do like? How about if we do it till noon? What do you say? (laughs) (laughs) Kate Tellers till noon. Oh, it's just, you know, everybody. Kate, explain something to me. And everybody on the show, explain something to me. Now, uh, Kate Tellers on about how to tell a story, the essential guide to memorable storytelling from the moth. Um, We'll talk about that. But, Kate, I mean, literally, I talked about I do a morning show in town as well. And we were talking this morning about this very thing. And I said, "I, I, I don't understand something. You could be way left or way right. You could be a Democrat or a Republican. You could be whatever you want. You believe what you believe. I'm not going to get mad at you if that's what you believe. Good. But don't get mad at me if I don't believe that. And that's, on, that's far left and far right or just left and right. You know, I don't, have a, I don't think people are horrible because they believe in something. It's weird. Right? Well, you've been getting some crabbiness about that. I mean, oh. you know, I certainly love to get myself into a heated conversation, but we we got to keep ourselves in a yeah in an open place to be able to hear people. Oh no, I I had a guy a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I jokingly on the phone because he was being all crabby and blah blah blah. You know, he's doing that deal. And all I said was, "Tough guy from twelve hundred miles away." He reported me to the board of the company. Oh wow. <laughs> I mean, it was a joke for God's sake. You can't even take a joke anymore. But in any case, let's oh, talk boy. about. Yeah, I know, Kate. It's what a what a pain. Uh, themoth.org is the website. It's themoth, t h e m o t h dot org. Uh, the book is called How to Tell a Story: The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from the Moth. I've been telling stories. No, are they stories or lies, Kate? Which is it, or is it both? <laughs> They're stories. We always say moth stories are true as remembered by the teller. Oh, I love so, it. So, you know, memory <laughs> memory is fallible. And, you know, the way I feel about it, it's essential truth. You know, I think, do I remember whether I sat next to a guy named Mike or Matt in second grade? No. Does it matter when I'm telling the story what name I give them? No. It's still an essentially true story. Um but I'm sure you know this from all of your storytelling. People can tell when someone's lying. You want that real essential truth yes. for a good story. Yeah. If you start making things up, you, you lose your connection, right? Kate, my daughter, our daughter is here. Catherine, my wife, is on the show. Our son, Andy, our daughter, uh, Alex, Hello. and our good friend, mm-hmm. Michael Bryant, we're all on the show today. But Alex has a wonderful story to tell you about. Uh, apparently, her children have been on too many flights across the country lately because she said something to her three. Well. <laughs> Your three-year-old son, Alex, tell yes. Kate the story. Yes, so my son is three, and he was—he had a clown nose on the end of this stretchy thing, and he kept whacking the walls with it, and then he was like, can I hit you with it? And I was like, uh, you can't, no, you can't whack me with this thing. And then he tapped it against the wall, and he said, can I do this to you? And I said, sure. And so he tapped it against my leg, and I said, thank you for being gentle. And he said, thank you for flying Delta Airlines. <laughs> 
It's like, what is happening? Been hearing that a little bit lately, have you, kids? Oh Branding gosh. works. <laughs> Branding works, Kate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've made a lot of people adults very happy. Yeah, that's very true. Should have recorded it and sent it in. Your kid is your kid is very young, so they have a a customer for many years. Well, we're a hub, so yeah, we're a hub. So that's true. That's very very true. You know, since the time I was a little boy, Kate, I got to be honest with you. And I've been in radio for 51 years, and and voiceover and doing all the rest of it. So I've always loved storytelling. I've always, even when I was a little kid, two years old, three years old, whatever, I suppose three, my first memories are from when I was three, I always loved to hear a great story. Loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness, me too. What kind of stories? Did you come from a house that told stories? Oh, you mean lies and stories? Yeah, well, that, there's a, a lot fine interesting line. stories. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there are a lot of interesting oh, stories from my. Well, Kate, I mean, very quickly, just blitz through it. My mother used to work about 65, 70 hours a week as a, a diner waitress, and my father was mentally ill. So, yeah, we got a lot of great stories from the old. Not all of them were real. <laughs> he would tell stories, and I'd find out, well, that actually never happened. But, you know, it all worked out in the end. Yeah. I mean, it is, I've found I come from a, a line of storytelling family, and you repeat a lot of stories, much to the joy and, you know, angst of maybe people that marry into our families. But, you know, stories are the way that we connect, and we mark our past, and we share our values, and we commune. You know, one of my favorite things about being in storytelling and going to live storytelling events or hearing stories is that the plot of all of our stories are so different, but the essence of them can be so similar. You know, we're all human beings living through the world. So maybe I hear a story of your tragedy and it's different than an event in my life, but what we essentially as humans go through in those monumental highs and lows is the same. And it's such a way to connect people that you'd never think, you know, speaking about, you're talking about being crabby and people having different beliefs, but like, we are fundamentally all human beings living in the world together, and we do have so much in common. And a story yes. is a way to really bridge that, even if the circumstances of our, you know, my life growing up is different than yours, but I'm sure there's a million ways in which we can find commonality. Oh, no, well, well, first of all, I guarantee you, you do not like this, as everybody in this room does not like this, I'm guessing, but I know I don't like it. When somebody starts to tell a story and they do this, there was a guy, oh, wait. What do you mean, oh, wait? <laughs> You got three <laughs> words in, and you're telling me you got to change up the story, really? <laughs> okay. Whatever. I love that that's a pet peeve of yours. Well, in the book, we talk a lot about how we, the different contexts in which we use stories, you know, we tell them sometimes as a part of a job interview, as a presentation at work, on a date, and a eulogy, and a toast. But, you know, a lot of what this is, is crafting, is really thinking about, to your point, what's the story that you're going to tell? It's a, it's a gift to be able to have people that will listen to you. So how do we make them, you know, really able to hear something? How do we share something valuable with them? And that's so much of what we look at at the book is, you know, how do you really find those um, pieces of your life that are compelling and interesting and share them in a way that, you know, honors the person who's giving you the space to listen to your story? Okay, i got to tell you, I'm 70 years old now, and I grew up at a very fortuitous time for storytellers because people like J.D. Salinger, and there are so many more, you know, uh, to mention men and women who've written these great, that have told these great stories. It was, has it always been this way or am I just kind of locked in because it was from the time I was a little boy that these magnificent stories were coming out in book form? 
Oh, I don't know that I can speak to books per se, but I think, you know, hor- uh, humans are storytelling animals. You know, yeah. we've been telling stories since we could first communicate. And I think we do them in different ways, and the way we receive information has certainly become different. You know, people would definitely consume so much more media and books generations before us, before television and movies and social media and all of the different ways that we consume information. But I do think fundamentally we've always been drawn to story, and I do think as humans, we're drawn to stories from other human beings, like without sometimes the middleman of whatever way you're delivering that, like being in a room with another person and really feeling like they're sharing a a part of themselves with you and making that connection, you know, will crave forever, no matter, you know, what the next iteration of of story sharing platform, you know, will come. Um, But yes, yet also I do love books. And I think there are many books for many generations, and I'm excited that they keep coming, too. Well, Kate, I think our first communication, basically, when when children answer back, is generally from stories, reading them a story at night, and they they respond and they talk about the story. I mean, telling stories is, is the thing that opens the door to communication between a small child and their mother or father. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the way we introduce them to what we care about and who we care about and, you know, experiences that they're too young to have. You know, we can take them around the world. We can teach them about um, the people that have come before them. My mother passed away before my children ever met them. And uh-huh. I feel that they know her so well. You know, they talk to me all the time about her because I've made sure that they know about who she is and how she affects what I do and how that makes me mother them. Um, and it's been one of the most valuable pieces uh, for me of storytelling in my own life to be able to conjure, you know, the people and experiences that my children, my young children, haven't been able to have. You know, one of my great memories that just hit me, Kate Tellers, our special guest, How to Tell a Story, The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from the Moth. That's themoth.org, as a matter of fact. And the book's available on Amazon and everywhere. <laughs> but my lovely wife, Catherine, and my mother, my mom, speaking of storytelling, my mother told my lovely wife, Catherine, a story one time about 30 times in a row about dancing. Oh, she won a d- uh, dance contest, and the, the prize was a live duck. <laughs> yes, we've all heard the story. And How she, many times? Oh, I don't even know. So uh, 10,000 times, maybe? <laughs> I don't know. Every time I saw her. So stop me if I've told you this story. You've told me that story. Well, I'm just going to tell it to you anyway. <laughs> She didn't even she didn't, didn't really even phase her. Stop me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, is that how? Kate, oh, is that I how, love that. Is that how communication started in the first place? Was storytelling how it said? You know, it wasn't hello, obviously, but was our our basic first dialogue? Is it was it? Ba- it had to be based on storytelling. Well, before I, the written word, what yeah. else do you have? Yeah, you didn't have anything else. That's exactly my point. Um, so yeah. I mean, it goes all the way back to our very beginnings. Very, very important to tell stories. Well, it's important. I mean, a lot of it was survival. I mean, you know, I, we're speaking so much about the, the emotional and the practical impact of yes. storytelling. But yeah. early storytelling was, you know, there's a fire around the corner. Don't right. go there. You right. know, like, how do we survive in this world? I have had an experience that I need to communicate with you so that you also can survive. I mean, I still, to, to me, I, I obviously am very invested in storytelling. It's, I care so deeply about it. I do feel like it is about survival now. I think that we won't... Um, 
you know, we can't feel full fulfillment or be the people that we're meant to be in the world if we don't understand and listen to the people around us. And if we don't have experiences outside of our own lived experience, we can find connection outside of our own lived experience, which I find so fantastic. No doubt. You know, we've, we've worked with tens of thousands of storytellers over the past uh, 25 years. And, you know, I never would have been able to know what it would be to be a freedom rider um, or to uh, to uh, have um, uh, to, to immigrate to the United States not knowing anyone. I would never know what it's like to, you know, win a beauty contest. I would never, like all of these experiences that have been shared on mock stages, you know, I'd, I'd never know, I'd never understand, I'd never see that point of view. And we've just been so lucky to have thousands of people that have wanted to share a piece of themselves on our stages and wanted to find connection in that way. And so many of them are in this book. Their story examples are in this book. It's really built a community that I feel so invested in um, that's really diverse and far-reaching. Okay, I mentioned our, our family friend Michael Bryant's here. Michael is an attorney. Now, Michael telling stories, and I'm not talking about lying, I'm talking about telling stories. You lawyers lie all the time, don't I'm you? I'm not saying lying, I'm telling you. When you go into court, you have to tell a story that's convincing, correct? Well, when you try a case, that's, that uh, is what you want to do, because right. that's memorable to the jury and right. get your point across. And and I've heard I've heard a number of speakers uh, that have talked about storytelling, and they've talked about how they make up relatives, or they make up names, or they make up it, it, parts of it that it's based upon a real story, but they bring in all different parts to it. Um, so, yeah, there there is some of that. Um, but it's crafting it around your case versus, right, right. you know, anything else. Is but it's still key. a good story. Well, you hope. You hope, yes. <laughs> yeah, you would hope that it's a good story. That's exactly right. So. I just think it's so important. Like I said, Kate, you got the you got the right guy to talk to about this because I have loved stories my entire life. I love to tell them. I love to hear them. To this day, I just I, I love stories. Always have. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, how lucky are we that we have all of these ways that we can discover other stories? You know, like I said in this book, we have a podcast, we have a radio program, we have live events. I just think, you know, going back to what you were saying at the top, I think we need to be curious and we need to seek out stories from people whose experiences are different than ours. And, you know, I've been so fortunate with my work at the mosque to be able to, to find that and have, you know, to be able to work on those stories and develop those stories and discover them. But once you get that curiosity, you know, I'm hooked. That's all I want to do is, is laugh and cry with strangers, is to find a new connection uh, with people and, um, uh, you know, discover new stories every day. Now, on the way here, Catherine and I were riding along in the car. I was, I was riding along back here with Catherine. <clears throat> and, and, you know, you just realize you talk about, uh, you know, her life, uh, how she does. I talked about Michael being an attorney, our kids with their kids and all the rest of it. But... Catherine and I were relating news stories to one another. So basically, when when a person relates a news story, you're getting their story version of that news story, how they interpreted it. Whether you know yeah. you're doing that or not, your interpretation is coming through on that story, correct? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the interesting conversation about truth, is that, like, yes. it's impossible to completely to completely identify what truth is. And I think, like, if you break down the, the essential definition of what a story is, storytelling is the ordering of information. That's what it is, simply. So a compelling story is going to be an intentional ordering of information that includes pieces that relate to each other, that relate to the storyteller, relate to the audience. 
Um, but that in and of itself is editing. And once you get to editing, there are details you're choosing to prioritize and there are details you're choosing to not prioritize. So it gets very murky. That's why we say essential truth. Like maybe one detail gets left out and one gets put in and, and it's, it, 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 it doesn't have a larger consequence. But we have to think fundamentally about what is the, the truth that we believe in that we want to share. You know, you learn so much. At least I did, uh, and I'm sure you all did as well, Kate. You certainly did. <clears throat> I learned how to tell stories by reading and listening to other people's stories. Some some of the most brilliant moments. So, the Great Gatsby. It opens talking about the ocean winds blowing the lace curtains across the wedding cake ceiling. You can see that mm-hmm. the way he describes it. Now, when you can see exactly what mm-hmm. he's describing in your head, that's some great storytelling right there. Oh, yeah, the scenes just, like, drop you in. They make you completely present. I feel that so much. And it is true. Stories beget stories. Like, the more you start to listen to stories, the better storyteller you become. The more you share stories, the better storyteller you become. The, the, The different voices that you hear sort of make you tune to different things. But I agree. I think there's just, like, some stop you in your tracks scenes of stories I've heard over the years that stick with me always. You know, they they sort of color your own perspective on the world. No, I don't. I don't mean this in a negative way, Kate. But I mean, you've been. How long did you work on the book? So we wrote the book over a period of about two and a half years, okay. almost entirely on not almost entirely entirely on Zoom. One because uh, you may have noticed in the last two and a half years the world sort of shut down. Yes, and I did. Two because we're not all in the, the five co-authors, which is, is uh, unheard of. But these are five, uh, my four other colleagues that I've worked with for many years. Um, live in different areas of the world. Most of us in New York, one in Sweden, one in New Jersey. And we just got on Zoom for hours and sort of dumped our brains into this book, you know, this work that we've been doing for so long and working, like I said, with tens of thousands of storytellers and really with the intention of providing something that inspires people to share their own stories, people that don't think that they have a story, um, you know, I hope there's something in there for people that will inspire them to share it and then will inspire them to be curious to listen to other people's stories and just keep expanding that ripple effect of how we um, hear a story and how that affects the way we live in the world and how that affects the way we, we uh, treat other people. And, you know, all of the power that a, a story can and perspective that a story can bring to someone. Um, so I'm excited that uh, it's out in the world and curious to see what stories come next. We know it's so wonderful. I was just sitting here thinking about different things you go through in life and all the rest of it. Is it easy to separate uh, in some people's brains the difference between storytelling and lying? (laughs) My God, people lie a lot right now. What is that all about, Kate? Well, I mean, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know why people lie, but I will say this. That's beyond my, above my pay grade, I think. But... I will say, so a lot of the time at the mosque, we will work one-on-one with people to craft their stories. So you might come to me and say, I want to tell this story about the time that I was kicked out of my gym class or something, you know, something very simple. And then I would work with you and I would ask you questions and we would go back and forth, you know, what what was important to you then? Who did you care? Can you show me the gym? Can you, you know, all of that back and forth. And this process can last months and sometimes years, you know, we take time off and come back. And when I work with a storyteller, I can sense when they're lying. 
So then I ask questions right. around it. And I would never, you know, at the mock, we don't elevate stories that are that we believe are lies. If we suspect that someone's making up a story, then we would we would not put that story on our stage. We want the story to be true. But a lot of the time, and this is one of the greatest things to me about storytelling, is in that process of crafting the story, of going back and forth with a director or someone else, people will start to see their life experience differently. Like they might, like you might say to take this fictitious story that I'm making up of yours about being kicked out of gym class. Like, you know, I always thought that that meant that I wasn't, um, I wasn't an athlete and I never thought I could be an athlete. But when you look back on it, you might think about, uh, you might see that completely differently. You know, you might say, I think I sensed at that point that um, I needed to be a rebel for the very first time in my life. And it's only in hindsight and retrospect and taking the time to think about the experiences of ma- who have made you who you are that you begin to sort of understand them in a new way. Um, so, you know, maybe the first time you told me the story, it, it wasn't a lie, but it wasn't true because you hadn't actually given thought to why you felt compelled to share this story. But in the course of that process of working with someone else, of asking questions, of thinking about why does this stick with me or what else do I remember around this or what were other relationships that I were in that was, I was in that was similar to that, you might gain some clarity or, dare I say, truth about the situation that you didn't have initially. And I think that's a a rewarding process for me on both sides. As a storyteller, I love to be able to understand, you know, if we understand our past, we can better act in the future. But two, to have a conversation with someone and see them discover a deeper understanding of their own experience is just, you know, a really wonderful thing to to be a part of. So who are you who are you working with? Are you working with people who have uh, like a, an event coming up and are trying to put together a speech? Or are you working with people who are just overall trying to, you know, better themselves through what they learn and, and the story that they tell? So we work with people from all walks of life, but what our what we do is we present live events where we'll have storytellers on the stage. Tonight we're making our Broadway debut, so we're going to be um, at the Walter Kerr Theater in New York City, sold out Broadway, a little bucket list thing for many of us, I think. And um, hundreds or thousands of people come to these shows to hear five people tell 10 to 12-minute stories, uh, true stories on stage without notes. That's it. That's what it is. Um, these shows often sell out without a headliner. Now, of course, we've had headliners. We've had Rachel Dratch from Saturday Night Live. We've had Padma Lakshmi. We've had um, Davy Smith. We've had uh, authors, actors, scientists, Nobel Prize laureates, but also people that call our pitch line, that we call it, that we find at our open mic night, or people that we meet at a party and we say, oh, my gosh, that story you told me was really interesting. Do you want to tell it on a stage for hundreds or thousands of people? <laughs> and then we record those shows, and those shows, some of those stories go onto our podcast, um, which is downloaded nearly uh, 90 or over 90 million times last year. Um, our radio program, which is on over uh, 55 stations across, or sorry, 55, 550 radio stations across the country. Um, we have anthologies of some of our favorite stories and books. And then, of course, we have this how-to book that we're talking about today. Um, so we really find, like, the greatest thing is you'll have a Nobel Prize laureate who will take the stage. And then the next person that takes the stage would be someone that, you know, told a story about um, getting vigilante justice on the person that stole their credit card number when they ordered a pizza. And those two stories are equal, you know, the story of the scientist who's changing the world and the story about the person who, you know, wanted to get their $23 back. There's an equity in storytelling that 
I find really magical and that is really signature to the night that we share. I think that's one. We have to take a very quick break. Kate, you can stay with us for 10 more minutes. Sure. Excellent. We'll be right back with Kate Tellers, ladies and gentlemen. How to tell a story, the essential guide to memorable storytelling from the moth, themoth.org. Right back with Kate Tellers. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dan Southside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington, or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like suburban manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy, and that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. I've never heard of anybody. I know. We're back. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Kate Teller is our special guest. We're just telling stories to each other, Kate, while you... (laughs) Inspired storytelling. Inspired stories, there's no question about it. Kate, I do have a question. Kate Teller is our special guest, uh, How to Tell a Story, the Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from the Moth, moth themoth.org. Did we find out what the moth stands for? Not yet. What does the moth stand for? So uh, the moth really, truly is the bug. But very simply put, um, so we were inspired by these open uh, open mic poetry slams in New York City. Our founder was an author. He would go to these poetry slams and he was really thrilled by actually the conversation between the poems, not necessarily the poems, the sort of human off the cuff that I told the story because. 
Uh, but he's from uh, out, outside of Savannah, Georgia, uh, and um, he used to sit on his friend Wanda's porch and tell stories. I think that's why he was really drawn to it. And so we coined the name The Moth because uh, we find that stories are the way that moths go to a flame, and the way the moths would fly in on that porch where he would tell stories. They would circle around that light. And just as we're talking about, you start to hear stories, more people are interested, more people come around, and you, you create some sort of a oh. community through them. I like it. Yeah. That makes total sense. Kate, since the advent of the, the printed word and then, of course, radio came along and then broadcast television and now they're going away in favor of the digital era and all the rest of it, has storytelling gotten better or worse? Because once you get electrical or once you get digital or electric, you need to start editing a lot more. Uh, did it change the way we told stories after, say, 1945, something like that? I mean, yeah, I think the way that we tell stories, of course, is different and evolving. And I think certainly now in, in you know, in recent years, we're telling shorter stories, but also we're telling more stories. So I think, yes, fundamentally, there are many different, many more different ways to share stories. But I think people are still drawn to them and still drawn to the same essence of what makes them good. You know, a level of vulnerability, an emotional investment by the storyteller, uh, an honesty, something that makes that, you know, con- congruity. <laughs> congruity? Is that a word? Do you know what I mean? Word um, for me. Congruous. The story should be congruous. They should make sense. The details should make sense. You know, all of those things, it doesn't It doesn't matter whether you're telling something in a, you know, a, a Twitter role or if you're telling something in a novel. Um, the pieces of the story, the essential things that make stories compelling, will remain and I think will continue to remain. And in some ways, I think the, the way that the access that we have to communicate our stories is so much bigger now, you know, challenges people to be better at it because there's more competition. That makes complete sense. By the way, Kate, I, I don't know if you know it or not, but I didn't bring up movies. And the reason I didn't is because I think movies actually in, it made the way we told stories better. An example of that would have been from The Grapes of Wrath when the boys are riding in the back of the pickup truck and Ma's up in the cabin with the driver and they're driving along and one guy says, what's the matter? And the other guy says, I'm, I'm kind of worried, man. He goes, what are you worried about? I said, I'm worried about Ma. Ma, she's getting pretty old, you know. She's 55 now. <laughs> and, I thought, and he was very touched by it. He was, you could tell the actor did a great job. He was very concerned because back in those days, most people died in their late 40s or early 50s, and she was 55 years old. Yeah, can you even imagine? <laughs> I mean, different time. Talking talking about your mother dying at such a young age, but back in those days, it was a very important story he was telling. Yeah, exactly. And again, you know, going back to that universal thing, it's probably not 55 for you or 55 for many of us, but um, we can all relate to the fear of losing a loved one sure. and knowing that they're getting closer to their time. And they're, you know, so 55 is the is the is the factual detail, but I think the essential truth of it resonates with us, you know, in generations to come. I just love that she's getting pretty old, you know. She's 55. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> but back in those days, I was pretty old. There's no doubt about it. Is there, is there a group of stories or one story or a few stories that you as a little girl, you just went back and, and it got your, it, it piqued your, your interest? Is, is it, was it a couple of things that drove you to, to pay such close attention to storytelling? 
Well, I would say there were a couple. One, I do come from a family that tells stories. Right. So, you know, my mother's family, uh, my grandfather died uh, when I was very young, and my grandmother um, died when I was eight. So the stories of my family and my mother growing up and all of her siblings, and my grandfather was 18 years older than my grandmother, and he would uh, he owned a grocery store, and he would bring groceries to she and all of her siblings. He was almost like parental with them, and just like their love story has been told a thousand times in my family, and I could listen to it over and over yeah. again. So I come by it honestly in my family. Um, and then I grew up on uh, like musicals, like the classic musicals, and I just loved the you know the the deep emotion you get from seeing your feelings. I loved that emotional investment in stories. I loved the familiar characters. I could listen to the songs over and over again and felt like you know uh, uh, the people in Guys and Dolls and the people in Oklahoma and all of these other musicals were a part of my own life and took me to these other worlds. And um, so I became really hungry for all of that and started to write down my own stories and read and read and read and landed here. Makes total sense. Kate Tellers is T-E-L-L-E-R-S. How to Tell a Story, The Essential Guide to Memorable Storytelling from The Moth, themoth.org. Kate, you got to come back and tell us more stories. Oh, my goodness. You know I'd love to. I would love to have you back. Kate Tellers, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks so much. Bye. See, I do. I love storytelling. I just I've always love storytelling. Yes, you are a storyteller. <laughs> I didn't say I was. I said enjoyed well, stories. Well, you got to keep people entertained. It's all the time you're on the radio and well, as long as the music's okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I I learned, you know, very very young that I loved people when they would sit and tell stories. My great grandmother, Susan Bernard, would would tell me stories when I was four years. She died at 104 when I was four, and I will never forget her t- telling me stories. It was amazing. She'd tell you stories at 104. Oh yeah, well she's about 102, 103 then. Wow, I was, I was three years old and I can remember her telling me stories about the old days in in England and Ireland and or in, or in Scotland, not Ireland. Wow. But uh, she was the only thing is I was three and I was already bigger than her. God, she was tiny. Oh, she wasn't the huge one. No, that was Minnie. That was Minnie. That was my grandmother yeah. actually. That was my mother's mother. <laughs> Minnie was the best too. She was God. She was the greatest. But. Did you always, I mean, storytelling's got to be part of why someone becomes a certain type of attorney, right? Well, I, it, it involves public speaking. And, you know, there's if you're going to do trials, you have to have the ability or right. want to public speak or you can't do it, you know. So, no, that's exactly so there's, right. So there's, there's that part of it, you know, that uh, does pay, play a role in it. Isn't that, and you, you look, you go back 100 years, isn't that what really drove people to hire certain attorneys back then? Because they, they were such powerful storytellers in court that these guys, Clarence Darrow and these mm-hmm. kind of people, I mean, they were just very although, powerful storytellers. Although he wasn't hired by, he was hired no. by a lot of criminals. That's right. Yeah, you know? well, that's what I, I'm I saying. He got paid for it. He got used to sleep in his car. And <laughs> yeah, he did. He used to wear true. the same suit. So, he did, yeah. you know, it wasn't like he was getting hired by the, the top of the line people. Um, but uh, it, uh, it, yeah, I, I think, I mean, oratory, good oratory is always, great speeches has always played a role in politicians or in uh, in law or all different parts. I mean, where we've got great speeches out there that make a difference. Right. You know, I mean, you've got examples of speeches that change the world. Oh, yeah, no doubt yeah, about that. At, at points. Well, that's why um, I think people loved Walter Cronkite so much, because he was a phenomenal storyteller. Mm. I mean, he was a really, really good storyteller. Yeah. 
But, you know, uh, you get on the list. I have my favorites, obviously. I brought up F. Scott Fitzgerald, and I brought up, you know, these other authors. Um, They were phenomenal storytellers. They're so descriptive. Do you think being descriptive is a huge part of storytelling? i got to believe it is. I think it's – you've got to have the ability – to where the listener imagines whatever you're saying. So right. they see it. So you bring it alive. And good writers, you know, a good, uh, you know, movies are different because you see it as it's going along. Right. But good writers or good speakers get that image in your head that bring in these other things, these other parts. Like she was talking about how, you know, your, your example of Grapes of Wrath leads to other people thinking about them losing close relatives and that feeling they can feel what that guy's feeling or at least they feel their version of what that guy's feeling and that's why it has an impact i think that's why uh catcher in the rye caught on i mean that story is so well told that all teenage boys think they are that character yeah yeah, that's true it's an amazingly well told story there's no doubt well how many people have been killed over that book right I, I mean, there a lot. I oh, there's a ton. John Lennon got oh, shot. Yeah. John Lennon got shot by for that book. Catcher right? oh, in the Rye. Right. And so yeah. did uh, I believe? Didn't Hinckley have Catcher in the Rye with him when he shot yeah, Reagan? Maybe that, yeah, I think yeah. there have been a lot of them. They have Catcher in the Rye in their pocket, shooting people. It's like, hey, you kind of missed the point of the book. Yeah, but if you and know that or not, that's one of the things that happens when people read a book and really like a book, and then go see a movie, and the movie doesn't jive right. with whatever right. vision they have in their head. That has an impact on lots of different movies, you know. I don't think there's any question about it. Andy and Alex, your favorite book? Do you have a favorite book? Uh, not really. A lot of favorite children's books. <laughs> yeah, at this Something point, I you're know, like, yeah. Andy's going to have Moon that. or whatever the hell that was. Good Night Moon. Good Night Good, Moon. Yeah. Good Night Moon. Good There's night a lot moon. of Ethan's already got like 30 books. It's Does he really? We, have, uh, <laughs> we had to count Fawn's books for a Uh-oh. reading challenge thing. Uh-oh. Just just Fawn's, and I think it was like 320. There you go. That's like one thing. Books. I'm very minimal with like... Toys, clothes. Your kid has 300 bucks. How minimal could you be? But not books. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm very minimal with toys and clothes for the kids and everything, but books is the one thing that I'm well, just like, buy them all! Like, at least three, four books per day. You know, like Ethan, he gets two books at night, and sometimes he'll uh, listen to a book, you know, nap time. So that's yeah. three days, you know, 21 books a week. Uh, it's like eighty some readings you should, a month. Yeah, well, kids have kids will books. listen to the book they over will, and over. Yeah, it's the will. parent that yeah, can't take exactly. reading the book. Reading over the and same over. book never... of times a month is just not going to happen. When they correct you in the middle of the page. Oh yeah, because right. they got it memorized. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. you could read the damn book. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! You skipped something. Yeah, you already know the book. You gotta go. The library, though, really is with kids. It's yeah, that's the best way. The go. best way so to go. Either mm-hmm. have books on tape? Uh, no, we just uh, have books. You read them? Okay, so you're reading them. Okay, I, just the yep. way you said, it, I didn't know if that meant. Oh he yeah, listens books to a tape. book. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. what else does he do? Yeah. <laughs> he looks at it. Yeah. He looks at it. Sometimes he's lately he's more concerned with just staring at you while you read the book. Oh, yeah, right? Like, yeah, I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see How are true. you doing this? I tell you what. Do you remember the? Very famous storytelling night when I threw that goddamn book in the fire. 
I will love you always. It's oh, my God. Speaking of an embellishing thing. What's it called? I'll love you forever. Love you forever. Yeah. You I, thought, I will love you always. He did not. No. I he, couldn't he stand reading that fire. book. No. It was the saddest damn it's book really I've really ever sad. read in my life. It's really He's carrying his old mother to her grave for Christ's sake. I'll love you forever. Forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby, you'll be. Yep. Ah, shut up. Oh, no. Anything? No. <laughs> I actually can make it through so without crying. Uh, no, he did not. He, he did never not. threw a uh, that fire. Where was it then? No. I don't. You probably well, he just, just closed it, it and anymore. read it like Long a normal gone. human being. Long gone, I remember baby. somebody no, I, told us about that book and said, oh, you're, you, you, no one can get through this book without crying. And I'm nope. like, I can. So I, <laughs> I buy the book and I open it up and yeah. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm like, I'm like charging through the book so I won't get emotional. Jeez. And at the end, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> I cry. I cry well. I read to the kids a lot. Yeah, you do. A lot. Cool you do. I'm just a crier, though. Like, I'm a, I'm a, yeah. the kids call it happy crying. Are you happy crying? Are like, you yes. happy Yes, I am, crying. as usual. Yeah, and yeah, Fawn, there's certain books that she reads, and then she'll just stare at me. Oh, God. Looking at me, and mm. like, cause she's like, I, she knows the page that like triggers the tears. <laughs> and the other day, we were reading this one called Aaron Slater Illustrator, and it's about a little boy that's dyslexic, and he's in second grade, and he has to write a story for his class, but he can't write yet. Because he has really bad dyslexia and all this stuff. And then he ends up drawing a story and then telling the story. And then the teacher comes out and he's crying because he thinks the teacher's going to get mad at him. And she says, thank you. And I just always cry. And she's like, and I was determined to not cry. And so I was like, I got to breathe through it, Fawn. I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And then I didn't. She was like, I wanted you to cry. <laughs> what the hell are you doing? You didn't hold like, up your they like, they like it when adults are predictable. Yeah. It's true. I, know. I, was, I suppose that is true. And I, and I just bought Brittany from the order. KQ, um, her baby showers this weekend, and I just bought her like four books that. Yep, they're gonna make her gonna cry. Make her cry. She's a crier too. So. Yes. She oh, she's definitely a crier. You know Brittany, don't you? No, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Brittany's a Brittany's a big crier. Yeah, Brittany there's can like feel some emotions sometimes. I yeah. love her. She's just a wonderful person. She always she has is. Been. Yeah, one of them is called "On the Night You Were Born." Mm. No, not that. That ain't happening. We're not reading that one. And then one. one is called "I'll Love You Forever." Mm-hmm. That's the one I was talking about. No, not about. A, not that one. Oh, it's a different. It's a different I will one. Love you forever. Yeah. Mm. I thought it was called "I Will Love You Always." Isn't there a it's, book called "I, I Will Love You Always"? Nope. What was I'll it called? "Like You For Always" like is a you. line in the. Yeah. All yeah. What's it called though? What are you talking about? The book. <laughs> I love you. I'll love you forever. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. I'll love you forever. Look yeah. up. I will love you always. Always oh, and forever. What's the difference? No, it's yeah, a, love you forever. Love you forever. I will, yeah. love, I will love you forever. And it's like a picture of the kid forever, but it's a different book. That's the one that really? I got for the bear one. Yeah, the dancing bears. Oh. Dancing yeah. bears. That's the one that I got for Brittany. Huh. Oh. It's very very sweet. Yeah, there's love you forever, which is the book we're talking about, and then there's a new one called I'll love you forever, which is about bears. By, it's not about bears. It's, it's got bears. On the it's cover. got bears on the cover. <laughs> it's written by Nancy Tillman and her books. If you want a good, beautiful, wonderful, probably gonna make you cry children's book, buy any of her books. They're all amazing. So how do you how do you separate lying from storytelling? Well, because telling a story is something that happened. Lying is something that didn't happen. I don't think most people could tell the difference anymore. There's no. so much lying no one has going ever on. Been able to tell the difference? Are you kidding well, me? I mean, no, there's I lots of times right. where you embellish a story. Yeah, you embellish. No, a embellishing lot. and lying are two different things. When I threw it in the fire, that was a lie. 
You don't Your family know. detected that you was don't a lie. Know, okay. He says, okay. You don't know. If you just it was true or not. randomly made a fire alone and threw the book in the fire while none of one was had, looking. We had a couple of fireplaces in that house, if you might we want did. to remember. Did you put on your little uniform before you burned the book? Yes, yeah. I did. I put my uniform on. That's yeah. exactly right. You had a cloak in the front yard. I think burning books is kind of extreme. But kind of yeah, extreme. Kind of extreme. Oh, well, only Fahrenheit like, 451. Uh, yeah. Speaking of burning books, it looks like Elon Musk's. It's going it's through today. today. Yes, it's today. Going through. He bought Twitter. Yeah. I yep. guess so. so he, After they did all it. of that. Yeah. Yeah. They did accept it just now. I guess so. For the I original an price. Ago, they had 45 billion or something? Yeah, 45 billion. I hope yeah. he burns it to the ground. He's not no, going to burn it to I the ground. I want him to tell the truth. I'll get back on Twitter now that he owns it. You can oh, tell the truth. Don't, don't, don't. Please don't. You need to get off Twitter. You need to. The petition of get Kathy off Twitter is still going strong. Many podcast listeners are on board. It's just the poison. Yeah. What did you do? Twitter's the worst of all of them. Yeah, but he's going to make the best of all of them. No, no. He's not going to be able to. The whole thing is he's not controlling. He's like, I don't want people to control what you say. But he also doesn't want people's stuff to be lifted. He wants the truth he, on he, he, well, what it. Well, actually, I think he's more into the idea of not not throwing people off of Twitter. Yes. Right. That they shouldn't be banned. He's, he's oh, not yeah. saying that yeah. he's, they're telling the truth. Oh, that's what he said. Yeah. I, he, he said this morning. Yeah, but he says a lot of stuff. Well, so. but the overall idea of getting people who are banned to not be banned isn't supporting what they're saying. He's not doing right. this so Trump can get back on Twitter. Oh, I, that's he's not just what going I, oh, I didn't know Trump was off, is Trump off oh, Twitter. Trump, yeah, Trump yeah. got thrown oh, off yeah. Twitter. Oh, yeah. He really? hasn't been on there in years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I haven't either. That's why I didn't Well, didn't Trump? Start his own. Yeah, they tried. I don't, yeah, he, I don't. Truth, Trump has said he doesn't want to go back on Twitter. <laughs> there was, there was Real. Getter. Yeah. Yes. I don't yeah, know. There's so, there's so many. Which one was I don't remember. He was either Truth or Getter. Parlor or something is one. It was Parlor. Yeah, I think that was the. I, is that the, the one he did? I don't know. That's not the one he did, but that was a conservative one. He either did Truth Social or Getter. I can't. They might be the same thing. Okay. He was one of those two. I know that that's true. I don't know. Officer Dave can't read the children's books either. Yep. Yeah. Can't do it. Well, I mean, I do it. I just cry every time. Yeah. Musk's idea, though, is that you just don't ban people. Right. Exactly. You allow them to say what they're going to say. And if mean, it's crazy, you should so look at it and say, yeah, oh, that's Twitter's crazy. already so bad. <laughs> it's like crazy. you can't save it by doing that. Twitter's the worst I, at all. It's so different sure. than Facebook or any others. Well, no, because Twitter, no, it I mean, definitely is. No, because Facebook, Twitter's you. Worse, yeah, because Facebook, you can control. I mean, on Twitter, you can control who you follow and whatever, but it's just, I don't know. It, Twitter's played a big role around the world. Oh, I mean, it definitely has. It's played for a sure. huge role in Russia right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. It definitely. Okay, so yeah. Truth Social is Trump's okay. one. Oh, Truth okay. Getter was founded by a former Trump aide. Okay. So oh, they're yeah. both kind of related. Same thing, generally. And that's the I mean, you're just who's going to have 50 different Which one gives things? Me the, I mean, really. Which one gives me the text all the time for for money off pillows? <laughs> one of them I got on sends me a text all the time for deals. Uh, no, Hot Frank's deals. <laughs> Frank's Speech is another one. There you go. That's it. I got on yeah. Parlor just to see what it was like, and I was like, holy moly, <laughs> these people are a little. Yeah, it's like how Twitter is imagine. with uh, uh, 14-year-old communists. Parlor is with. Forty-year-old bunker dwellers. I don't have the app anymore, but I keep on getting like notifications from yeah. Parlor. It's like get off of my phone. I don't want it. 
I haven't I used don't. any social media in many years. I haven't either. It's been, I think it's been almost 10 years for me. I use it daily. You yeah, watch you all. all sorts of clips. And, well, it's know, probably it's a good idea for a lawyer to use I don't, social media. I don't know if it's a good idea. There's sometimes I think oh, it's the greatest idea. What about idea. that represented, representative John Thompson's daughter? Did you oh, hear yeah. about that? It, no. There's a new issue what? with what? the cops with him. Yeah. What is it? Uh, his 26-year-old daughter was found to be driving without a license and apparently under the influence of drugs. But her father arrived on scene, and officers allowed him to take her away rather than placing her under arrest. Thompson's daughter was pulled over for a moving violation in St. Paul on Sunday. She refused to roll down her window because she said she's afraid of the police. Just she would like not identify herself. Oh, my God. And uh, a representative Thompson arrived on the scene stating that the driver was his daughter and is afraid of the police. And he started handing out his card. <laughs> Well, that guy's uh, nuts. Thompson, Clearly. according to an arrival on scene, Thompson drives up to the scene, parks illegally, and starts yelling at officers right away. That's what he does. Um, eventually, the daughter rolled the window down enough to identify herself to officers and was found to not have a valid driver's license. Mm-hmm. Neither did her father. Could sm- an officer Wisconsin. could smell the odor of marijuana coming from the vehicle and believe she was operating the vehicle un- while under the influence. Uh, then they let her go with her dad. Of course they Of course, yeah. So, what? I know. Is he even around anymore? Is, is he was he one that was yelling up there. Well, I, is he still have that job after I, yeah, all the crap does. that yeah, he's yeah. done? So. Yeah, he's still a represent. Which I don't understand with the voting issue with him voting someplace else. I don't Wisconsin. Oh, he yeah. Live yeah, I don't here. get how that how that that happened. But Come I mean, she she was like? charged. It looks after like she was charged with third degree test refusal. Um, there's degrees of test refusal. Yeah, yeah. There's one through four. Hmm. Um, and they're waiting for more details, according to the this latest a minute ago update. So okay. she's been charged with a gross misdemeanor. So let's say Alex. And then she was also charged with obstructing <laughs> legal process. Okay. So. Well, her dad should also be charged with obstructing. You would think. Legal process. Well, if Alex gets pulled over, yeah. moving violation, she won't roll down her window. Again? She doesn't have a driver's license, like a, a valid driver's two. license. Mm-hmm. She's clearly smoking reed, we, reef, 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 reed. I'm so cool with, with the pot <laughs> the lingo. talk. The um, pot talk. And I come running to her rescue. They're not going to let her go home with me. No. Well, if, why? If, why? Because he's a DFL. Anything is that okay? It's. I'm not it makes saying them looking really. Okay. That looks bad. The first step would be whether or not they're going to bring her down and, and charge her downtown. If they're just going to give her a ticket and leave, she can leave with anybody. That, but when you're driving under the influence, do you just get a ticket and if, sent on your way? They usually don't let you drive. They wouldn't let you drive away. But you could drive away with somebody else. Really? Yeah, I thought I mean, they made you go down I, and take it, drug tests and get you off the street and get booked. She, it, it looks like she was charged with refusal. Okay, so so that's different. Uh, with a refusal charge, there'd be no, they wouldn't bring her down. So the question, but to answer so your basic question, if you question, just don't cooperate now, you don't get arrested anymore. No, you. Well, I that that I don't know. I mean that, but you still can end up with a ticket, which is different than being brought downtown. Well, yeah. So if I ref, so the story, the moral of the story is here: don't cooperate, refuse to cooperate, and you'll get to go home. 
you'll lose your and license get, for over a year. You'll get a ticket, but you won't be up on you know charges of drunk or drunk driving or whatever it is with smoking if you can't pot get tested, then under the influence. Yeah, if the punishment for not getting tested is lower than the punishment for getting tested, oh okay. It's not your refusal. The 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 result the the refusal on your driver's license. And the refusal, as far as what can happen to you, the gross misdemeanor, is higher than what would happen ah, to you if okay. you just went down and got tested. Even you if go you go in and get positive? your blood test. I mean, the only way they're going to get anything with pot is with a blood test. They're not going to get it for with the breath test. They're not going to get it with the urine. Well, yeah, they'd get it with the urine test. So that's got to go to the BCA, and you're never going to find out about that for two months anyway. So if you go in, they would just you'd get that test done, and that would be it. The whole deal with cops and pot, though, is really weird right now because you still have a lot of circumstances where cops are like, "eh, it's not." I'm not going to worry about pot in a lot of circumstances. Yeah, that's and they true. don't charge people with it because of all the different factors. Well, I wonder what the, the moving violation was. Was she swerving all over the place because she's super high? What that, was the that caused to stop her? And you know, and she got charged with things and see what happens. You know, but your basic question though is, could you go down and get Alex? It depends on how what happens. But if they're not going to bring her in, yeah, you could get her and drive her away. That. Is that could happen, but the way he did it with his using his name and giving out his his card, that's all garbage. Wally Walker's up next. <laughs> this is a twenty-six minutes. Well, it's, it's, right a, it's there, an baby. interesting conversation to be had because this, you know, political shroud of protection is getting. No, it's getting it's pretty old. Pretty nuts. Right. Yeah. We got to take a break because Kostaki's with us in about. Oh, he's here. Ooh. Good. Ten yeah. minutes. Oh. He's back apparently. Kostaki, I love Kostaki. Right. We'll be back in a few minutes with the family. 